Hey everybody, welcome to the Athletic Chicago's Bears podcast. It is a playoff preview for the first time in eight years. Here we are talking about the Bears in a playoff game. The NFC North champs host the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field, 340 kickoff on NBC. We are going to break it down for you on this show. We've got Bo Wolf our Eagles writer for the Athletic Philadelphia, who's going to talk about uh, what's kind of gone on with the Eagles since Nick Foles has taken over, how they got into the playoffs. And then Dan Durkin, John Greenberg, Mark Lazarus, and I, full group, full team, uh, will go through some of the X's and O's, some of the matchups to watch, uh, and, of course, give you our game picks. I want to let you know we've got a lot of great Bears content on the site uh, just in case you don't go all the way to the final minute of the show, I'll say it right here. Uh, I got a story up on Thursday morning how this entire Bears roster, the starters at least, were built. It goes all the way back to 2012 and then ends with Khalil Mack in September. Uh, Dan Durkin's going to have a, a top plays of the season coming out this week. We've got a breakdown of Tariq Cohen. We've got John Greenberg on Matt Nagy. Dan Pompey's got a couple stories for us uh, this week. So you should definitely subscribe if you haven't to The Athletic. Um, click on the link to any of our stories. Uh, you can see mine on Twitter, at KFishbane, and you should be able to subscribe that way or just go check out the site. So be sure to do that. Subscribe to this podcast. Uh, it's a good one as we get set for Bears-Eagles, and let's get started with Bo Wolf. All right, Bo, I know people are already getting jazzed about the Alshon Jeffrey revenge game, but we have to start with Craven LeBlanc returning to Soldier Field to face the team that cut him in September, along with DeAndre Hall, the team that traded him in September, I can't think of a bigger storyline for the Bears' first playoff game in eight years and the Eagles' return after winning the Super Bowl. Well, the only one that comes to mind that's even bigger is Cody Parkey going up against the team that once upon a time cut him too. So, there, are, you know, we joke about it, but there are a lot of uh, interesting connections between these teams. You've got, obviously, Doug Peterson and uh, Matt Nagy, who, who grew up uh, coaching together. You've got Mike Groh, the Eagles offensive coordinator, who was the Bears wide receivers coach for a while. Obviously, the, the Long brothers, Trey Burton coming from the Eagles. So uh, I, do, I do believe, though, that you're right. It, it starts and ends with, with Strap, Cravon LeBlanc, who has now uh, solidified his job as the Eagles nickel corner. That sound you probably heard is Bears fans who heard you say the Eagles cut Cody Park. You're rushing to their Twitter to wonder, well, why can't the Bears do the same thing? <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, we did, we were trying to get Trey Burton going a little bit on, uh, on it on Sunday after the Vikings game, but he's not ready to talk. Uh, he, he's, he's very, very excited to see his best friends, but, uh, uh but yeah, I mean, and, and what's interesting too, and I actually want to start with Alshon because that is not only it's Alshon Jeffrey returning home to the team that drafted him and he played for them for five seasons. And there were some kind of interesting times of Alshon's career here. But I would imagine from an Eagles perspective, he's one of their top weapons and that goes against the, a, a strength of the Bears and the way that they've covered receivers this year. Um, how has Alshon kind of grown uh, in his second season in this offense in Philly? Well, you know, it's interesting. He has, uh, he has sort of emerged as, as a bit of a leader uh, on this team. And I know he was a captain at the end of his time with the Bears. But, you know, he has had an interesting season. He started the year uh, coming back from a shoulder injury, so he didn't play the first three games. And then he started very hot his first game back with a hundred uh, and one hundred and five yard receiving game, and then he didn't cross that hundred yard threshold again until Nick Foles's uh, first game of his second stint three weeks ago. 
when the Eagles sort of uh, shocked the the football world and went to Los Angeles and, and beat the Rams. That was his biggest game of the season, eight catches for 160 yards. And it does sort of seem like, for whatever reason, uh, Nick Foles and Alshon Jeffrey right now have a little bit of a better connection than, than Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey do. So uh, he he will be the, the focus of the, the Eagles passing game. Him and Zach Ertz together, but certainly on the outside, it, it will be Alshon. I want to talk about that Eagles offensive line because everything with the Bears starts with their pass rush and an opponent's ability to protect. Um, and I'm looking just at this Eagles O-line. It's obviously a group they've invested a lot of money in over the years. Um, it's probably, from a name recognition standpoint, the, one of the best groups the Bears have faced all year. Um, how has that front played this season and what do you kind of what what do you what will you be watching in terms of how they handle Cleo Mack and Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd uh, on Sunday well I do think that is sort of you know the matchup in this game is how the Eagles offensive line handles that Bears front end this offensive line last year was probably the best in football and throughout much of the season they've sort of struggled until the last several games they have really uh, come back on and part of that is Lane Johnson, who last year you could make the case was the best tackle in football altogether. And he struggled with injuries through the first half of this season, wasn't quite himself. And, the, and over the last few weeks, he has been outstanding. And him, he's the right tackle, and Brandon Brooks, the right guard, who's going to the Pro Bowl. They are very good. And what the Eagles will do is they will let Johnson and Brooks stay on an island, and they will be slotting their protections elsewhere. So, you know, Lane Johnson is uh, very adept at uh, handling the, the best of the best. He did it last year. I think he held uh, Khalil Mack to, to no sacks last year when the Eagles played the Raiders. I think it'll be interesting to see if the if the Bears are going to try to get Mack lined up on, on Jason Peters on the right side. The Eagles will probably slide protection that way. Their, their biggest uh, sense of worry for the Eagles, their, their weakness on the offensive line, is definitely left guard where Stefan Wisniewski is playing. He was replaced uh, by Isaac Siamalo in the middle of the season, but Siamalo is hurt, so Wisniewski is back. He's a little bit undersized. He's really a, more of a center by trade. So I think the, I would say Eagles fans are probably uh, a little bit more worried about Stefan Wisniewski versus Akeem Hicks getting overpowered inside than maybe they are about uh, Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd on the edge. How would you assess where the running game is at? Because um, I think you know, if you follow the NFL or know the Eagles, you, you you should know that they, you know, obviously lost a couple guys to injury and then to free agency or vice versa. Um, and this is a Bears run defense that's generally stopped everyone, especially at Soldier Field, um, which has allowed their pass rush to really key in on third and long. Um, so what uh, what can we kind of expect out of the the run game? And, and do you think this is something? the Eagles really care to establish because I know a lot of teams say that, but it's so hard against the Bears, and I wonder if the Eagles are the type of team with Doug Peterson says, you know what, screw it, we're just going to throw it around the yard. Yeah, I mean, to be frank, the, the running game is, is not very good. Their running backs are a sort of a committee of Wendell Smallwood, who has been just okay, Josh Adams, the undrafted rookie out of Notre Dame, who had a, a, a good few games in the middle of the season but has struggled lately, and Darren Sproles, who has been injured most of the season but has come on of late. My expectation is that Darren Sproles is going to get the majority of those snaps, and the Eagles are going to look at their running game as sort of inclusive of short passes, passes to the running backs, even you know, quick wide receiver screens to guys like Nelson Aguilar. That will be sort of an extension of the running game. They have talked already about how important it is to, you know, stay on schedule against this Bears defense, not getting third and long, as you said. But, uh, you know, they're gonna, they are going to try to run the ball. 
this offensive line is is pretty good at run blocking. But but to be frank, my expectation is that uh, Wendell Smallwood and, and Josh Adams are, are not going to get a lot done on the ground. If So we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, Bo. If I tweet the Spider-Man meme and make a comment about Darren Sproles and Tariq Cohen, do you think I can get ahead of the game? I think that's pretty good. You'll get, you'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a like. I don't know about a retweet. We'll see how well the, uh, the text comes across. All right. I'll, I'll take a look at it because uh, <laughs> the, the, another storyline, the, the two guys who are pretty similar. Um, let's, let's flip to – actually, no. We haven't even talked about Nick Foles yet. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. him for a moment. So what is this magic that he has with this team and with backs against the wall games, um, what what has it been? You know, specifically in these three games, three wins in a row to get the Eagles in the playoffs. That just been able to kind of lift the offense and, and bring this team up off the mat. It's it's a good question, and I don't think anybody really has an answer. But you you can't argue with the results. I mean, over the last three games, the Eagles are averaging just under twenty nine points per game. In the eleven games with Carson Wentz, they only scored more than twenty eight points once. So, uh, you know, last week against Washington was sort of a sort of a scrimmage game. The Eagles had a very vanilla offense. They were just running short passes. I would sort of throw that game out the window. Uh, and the Rams game was sort of a, a, a combination of a lot of different circumstances. They got turnovers for the first time in a while. Um, and he took advantage. He wasn't fantastic, but he was very good in that game. And then the Houston game, that was his best game. And he had the, uh, an 83-yard touchdown pass. Uh, I don't know what it is. He's a little bit more willing to throw jump balls, it seems like. He has been getting rid of the ball quicker than he has ever in his career, including last season's playoff run. And that's something that Carson Wentz, the, the one of the few things that he struggled with is taking sacks. And over the last uh, four games, I think it is, they've been sacked just, just three times total. So uh, he gets rid of the ball quickly right now. It does seem like, for whatever reason, some guys decide or just you know will play a little bit harder. I don't know if that's really uh, true, but it's it's sort of what it looks like. And these guys love Nick Foles. They love they love Carson Wentz. I don't know what it is, but uh, I have learned now that I can never really be surprised by anything that Nick Foles does. And to utter that phrase now, if you had said that a year ago, um, or a little over a year ago, it, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, it's bizarre. He's yeah. had this. He's had such a weird, like Forrest Gump career. He's got. He has the record for most touchdown passes in a game. He has the record now tied for most consecutive completions in a game. He had one of the best, if not the best, performance by a quarterback in Super Bowl history. Uh, and he's a guy who you know, probably or may not be a starter next year. So it's, it's, uh, it's a, been a wild ride. He's a guy who almost quit football when he was in Kansas City with Matt Nagy uh, years That's ago, right. too. So it is, it is remarkable. And, yeah, I think there were certainly some Bears fans watching on Sunday and thinking, man, this Vikings team sucks. Like, <laughs> just, right. just tank and you don't want to face Nick Foles. Whatever's working for them is working. And that kind of brings me to the defensive side of the ball because I want to start with what I assume is the weakness of this team with the injury situation. That's the secondary. Um, And I think folks know Fletcher Cox and Michael Bennett and Chris Long and what those guys can do. And has that kind of been the formula for Jim Schwartz to make up for that secondary? I mean, is that kind of the the area that that everyone should watch of, like, if the Bears are going to exploit something when they have the ball, it's attacking that secondary? It is, and it has been for much of the season, but the truth is that the secondary has, you know, sort of in in concert with Nick Foles' return, gotten uh, a lot better. And part of that is the return of uh, this fourth-round rookie, Avante Maddox, who has been 
the most pleasant surprise on the defensive side of the ball for the Eagles this season. He started the year uh, as sort of a dime back, and then when Rodney McLeod, the free safety, got injured, Avante Maddox, who had never played safety before, became the free safety, did a very good job there. As injuries continued to pile up in the secondary, he became the nickel back. Then he got hurt. Now he's starting on the outside, and he's done a, a very good job. And, and similarly, Rasul Douglas, who also was not a starter at the beginning of the year, uh, had a bit of a rough stretch in the middle of the season, and he has played well of late. He is more of a bigger ball-hawking corner who has been a very good tackler of late. Avante Maddox is, is much shorter, so my expectation is the Bears will try to get Allen Robinson matched up on him and see if he can take advantage of his size. But, I mean, this is a secondary where the, the starting five guys in the nickel defense in the secondary week one only one of them is still playing and that's Malcolm Jenkins who has played every snap uh, of the season so uh, Craven LeBlanc as I said before picked up off the street and is now the nickelback uh, Corey Graham is the other starting safety he's uh, a little bit older and, and a little bit less mobile so the Bears may try to take advantage of him deep the Eagles will play a lot of big nickel where they will play uh, Trey Sullivan another sort of unheralded and untested guy as the second safety and, and bring Malcolm Jenkins down as sort of a pseudo linebacker. My guess is we will see a lot of that this week so that they can match up Jenkins on Tariq Cohen. But, uh, you know, there is no doubt that this secondary is, uh, as this team went to the Super Bowl last year, there's a lot of playoff experience. It's not the case for the secondary. So with that in mind, um, what do you expect Jim Schwartz to throw at Mitch Trubisky? Because we've seen a lot this year. We've seen recently teams have done a lot of zone um, kind of forcing him to dink and dunk and, and go through his progressions, which has at times been a challenging for him. We've seen teams be aggressive and, and throw different blitzes at him, and you know that that kind of worked a little bit when when the Rams picked him off three times. Um, but knowing the Eagles' defensive schemes and where their talent is, and going up against a, a quarterback in his first career playoff game, what are you kind of expecting in terms of uh, what's up uh, the Eagles' sleeve? You know, Jim Schwartz may have a few tricks up his sleeve, but but the truth is uh, they're not going to blitz a ton. The Eagles blitzed, I think, 16% of the time, which is by far the fewest amount of any defense in football this year. So they're going to try to let the four guys up front, Fletcher Cox, Michael Bennett, Brandon Graham, and Chris Long, they'll, they'll, those, they'll be sort of the, the third down rushers on early downs. You'll have uh, Tim Jernigan and Haloti Nada rotating in as the, the other defensive tackle. But those guys, it's going to be on them. And they've been very good of late uh, the run defense has been fantastic uh, they've given up fewer than 100 rushing yards in each of the last three games but uh, Fletcher Cox is coming off a three sack game against Washington he's tough to deal with inside but Brandon Graham has come on of late after a, a slow start to the season and, and Michael Bennett Michael Bennett and, and Fletcher Cox I think have combined for the most quarterback hits of any two teammates in the league this season so uh, Jim Schwartz is going to try to let those four guys get to Mitch Trubisky and it's going to be mostly zone in the back end, and and they will uh, try. I think you're right to try to uh, make Trubisky dink and dunk and, and work his way down the field. They do have, I think, the sixth best third down defense and the best red zone defense in football. So uh, they're going to try to make the Bears earn it. So uh, kind of a weird uh, question here. I, not weird, but going to the special teams. Um, how's Jake Elliott been this year? And, and the reason I ask is not just because he's a, a local product from from Lions Township, but I think everyone saw what he did last year, and we mentioned Cody Parkey earlier. That's a potential uh, advantage the Bears are going to lose. So what's the, the Eagles' kicking game been like this year? Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, Elliott's got a leg. He's missed a, f a few, but he, he hasn't really missed any any big kicks. Um uh, there's one that that uh, 
Eagles fans might point to from the, the Cowboys game. He missed his first extra point of his only extra point of the season. And that point came back to haunt them because they had to go to overtime where they lost. But uh, Jake Elliott's been pretty good. I mean, he's never kicked in uh, in Soldier Field, I guess. But I think the Eagles have a, a pretty good level of confidence in him. So, Bo, this is an interesting situation because the Bears are favored, but they're not going to necessarily be going into this game feeling any pressure. It's just not how they roll. They, they, they kind of think of the underdog anyways. Um, and then for the Eagles, I'm fascinated to hear from you what the vibe is around there. Obviously, just an incredible run to make the playoffs. Um, they have the experience. They are the defending champs. Um, I don't know how much pressure they'll be feeling considering how close they were to not making it to the tournament. But what's kind of the sense that you're getting just from being around them on the past just past couple of days, the past couple of weeks, about the, the their kind of frame of mind coming to Soldier Field on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's probably best encapsulated by by what Malcolm Jenkins told the team in the locker room after they found out they were going to the playoffs, and that was that uh, we are not we are not backing into this thing. We are knocking the uh, mfing door down. <laughs> so uh, this team, I think, is very is very confident, and I think they they think that they are playing. Uh, they, I mean, they are playing their best football of the season, and they think they are are playing as good uh, football as anybody in the league right now. And um, you know. Despite all the injuries that they have had this season, I think they they think that that has sort of toughened them up. And it was after the they lost against the Cowboys four weeks ago, where it seemed like the season was over because uh, the path to a wild card seemed a little bit far fetched. They were not going to be able to catch the Cowboys, and it, it took winning three straight and winning that crazy game against the Rams when uh, certainly nobody, including myself, thought they had a chance. So uh, I think this is a team that has sort of um, gotten insular with themselves batting down the hatches and, and sort of think that that uh within that locker room they have a lot of confidence i think the there should be some vegas bets going in terms of peterson versus Nagy. you know most you know got going for a fourth down maybe most two-point mm. conversion attempts although Nagy might win that considering the kicking situation but i think that's another fun element of this game bow is you got you, you mentioned you know these guys work together Nagy kind of followed peterson they're from the same coaching tree and they're both aggressive. I mean, we, we spent like a ton of time talking to Nagy about watching what Peterson and the Eagles did. Um, and that's just kind of his style. So I don't know about you, but I'm kind of looking forward to seeing um, which guy kind of you know shows his stuff the most throughout the game. Well, I'm looking forward to it, too, because uh, for a lot of this season, you know, my, my partner Sheila Kapati and I have been sort of uh, complaining about Doug Peterson's lack of aggressiveness compared to last season. There have been a few games where it seems like the Eagles needed to pull out some stops, uh, specifically that New Orleans game, and they just sort of, you know, demurred a, a little bit. You know, they, they didn't go for it on a couple fourth and shorts. They tried to flip, as Doug Peterson said, flip the field, and that came back to bite them. You know, flipping the field against Drew Brees in New Orleans is not going to be very successful. I think they passed where the punt uh, was in about two plays. But uh, of late... We have seen Doug getting back to that that sort of fourth down aggressiveness, and uh, I would I would expect that in the playoffs he will uh, he will go back to what he called his his book title, uh, which was fearless. And we have made fun of him throughout the season for not being so fearless, but I think he will be uh, a little bit a little bit more fearless in the playoffs. And shout out to the Athletics Dan Pompey, who was uh, co-wrote that book. Oh, that's with, right, that's right. With Doug Peterson. Um, all right, Bo Wolf, go follow him on Twitter this week, um, as well as Shiel uh, Capadia, who you guys do a great job over there in Philadelphia. Bo, when you approach players' lockers this season, do are they just ready for some of the some of the questions you're going to have? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I think uh, if I, if I, especially if I say I got a, I got a silly one for you this week. So uh, they've they've come to they've come to know. All right. Well, it's awesome stuff. I've mentioned that. So for people go check out Bo's work, you'll see some entertaining Q and A's. And and Bo and I collaborated last year on a Chris Kyle Long newly bro game um, that will probably knowing us at the Athletic will probably tweet it seven times this week. Right. So, That's right. Just, I think uh, I think Kyle won if I remember correctly. He did. He did. It was close. But uh, I don't know if you know. But Kyle Long and Chris Long are brothers, and they're playing against each other on Sunday. That's very interesting. Yeah. So the, uh, the Eagles last year had like four or five sets of brothers playing against their brothers throughout the course of the season. So uh, it's a uh, it's a trope we are familiar with. <laughs> so yeah, go check out their work at the Athletic Philadelphia all week, um, and you can follow those guys on Twitter. And if you know the the second Craven LeBlanc makes a big play, um, you know to go check out go go to Bo because he. He's on it. He's on these. Re- we're on these revenge storylines for you. It's why you subscribe um, to the Athletic. So uh, again, check out all their stuff to learn about the Eagles this week. And uh, Bo, we're looking forward to seeing you in Shield Soldier Field on Sunday. Thanks for having me, Kevin. The Bears in the playoffs for the first time since 2010. They face the Eagles on Sunday afternoon on Fox, and we are here to break it down. Joined by John Greenberg, Dan Durkin, and Mark Lazarus. And uh, John, we'll start here with a quick look back at Sunday, Minnesota, where I think some people were surprised that the Bears went all out. I I wasn't too surprised based on being around the team that week and the things Matt Nagy was saying. But even still, when you saw the score and you saw what was going on in the Rams, he didn't let up. And you wrote about uh, the head coach uh, at the beginning of this week to kind of set the table for the playoffs. And he's a leading candidate for coach of the year. And I thought Sunday was a great example of the players totally taking after this guy all season long. I mean, what was your kind of take from how they handled Sunday and then just this, this, how this guy's performed all season? Yeah, it didn't surprise me at all that, that he still went for it. That's just his thing. And he talked about it a lot, like you said, on Monday. It was a pretty good press conference for New Year's Eve. And he said that, you know, it's his mantra right now is don't change. And they don't want to change anything. And I don't think there's any real correlation between, you know, if they would have put the subs in, you know, in the third quarter or not, you know, to how they play in the playoffs. But I do like that attitude, that don't change attitude. And I, like you said, I think the players buy into it. Um, even I was like, even there was a few times at the end of the third quarter, I was like, why is Mitch running the ball here? <laughs> we don't really need Mitch scrambling and, and running to the sidelines to get drilled. But I like Nagy's attitude. And I, I mean, I'm a big Nagy believer now. Uh, the, the trick play stuff doesn't, I like it. I like his creativity. Even when you, know, you scratch your head a little bit, I think he does the creative plays to entertain himself as much as his team. So I am definitely digging the Matt Nagy vibe. And if, if they're going to succeed, if, if Mitch is going to succeed in the playoffs, it's because Nagy puts him in the right position. And Laz, you were there with me in the locker room on Sunday, and, and couldn't you just tell how much the play, I mean, what difference it made for the players that they actually went out and won, even if some conventional wisdom said, you know, you can choose your opponent, don't you want to play these guys again? They clearly were happy to just win. That's just what these guys like to do. Yeah, you know, it seems like it's really fun to play for Matt Nagy, and I... You know, I was I was skeptical earlier in the season. I thought the trick plays were a bit much, a bit getting too cute. I was on the too cute bandwagon. But like you said, when you talk to the players and you see them and you hear them, they are having a blast. They love the attitude. They love the go for it. I mean, it could have been a disaster on Sunday, win or lose. You know, Gabriel gets hurt. Miller gets hurt. If Mitch gets hurt on one of those scrambles, then forget about it. You know, you're running the guy out of town. 
But, you know, Nagy seems to have this magic with him right now. The players are 100% bought in. They're having a great time. And that does translate on the field. When it's fun to practice and fun to play, you're going to play better. Right now, nobody's having more fun than the Bears. All right, Dan, we're three minutes in. Haven't talked about Mitch Trubisky yet. So let's <laughs> let's get into Mitchell. Um, the last three games, after his worst game of the season against the Rams, incredibly efficient, very accurate, not not a just generally a high level of difficulty with his throws, but he's making them. No interceptions in the last three games. Uh, it, it seems like things maybe have been a little vanilla at times, um, maybe saving some things for the playoffs, but I want to know from your perspective what you've seen out of Mitch in those three games, Packers, 49ers, Vikings, and then I think the spin is then how does that matter going up against Philadelphia this weekend? Uh, the ball protection is the most important to me uh, when you have a defense that's playing as well as the, as the Bears is and will continue to play. <clears throat> the last thing you can do is, is afford to turn the ball over and you know give the team an extra possession or a short field. Um, the, his, his efficiency on third down, I think, is what stands out most. Um, how well he is being put into positions to succeed, but then ultimately making the right read and being on time with that. I think that that's been uh, very noticeable over the last couple of weeks. Um, I have no problem with it. And I, I think that, you know, when you talk about the defensive coordinator like Jim Schwartz that's coming up with the Philadelphia Eagles, he's not going to blitz the, you know, we, we have a, subscription to sports radar the eagles have blitzed on only 16.7 percent of their defensive snaps which is the lowest in the in the nfl um they're very static with what they do um they primarily rush forward they'll bring you know very infrequent pressure uh it what it comes down to is how they're going to play mitch in coverage I, I guarantee you um they're going to take jordan howard and they're going to take the running game away just like the bears are going to take the running game away from the eagles and both teams are going to put this games on the, on the quarterback so if mitch can continue to just complete passes which i think has been the biggest revelation completing passes early first down second down that makes it so much easier to convert on third down when you have a creative play caller who can scheme people in short yarded situations like Matt Nagy can. I think that that's the, the biggest maturation process I've seen. It's not yeah, a game manager gets such a bad rap game managers win games and playoffs. So, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's exactly what he needs to be and just be smart about running the ball on third down as he's been. If he can do that, the bears have a chance to win on Sunday. Yeah. 163 yards is fine. As long as there's no interceptions, as long as he runs for a few conversions, keeps those chains moving. He's going to get the same from Philly that he's going to get from Minnesota. Dinking and dunking is fine. The Eagles are going to dink and dunk against the bears. The, the bears are going to dink and dunk against the Vikings. Whoever does it better is going to win. So, totally. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I think that the, the Eagles have a little bit more explosiveness to their passing game because I think that Nick Foles is you know willing to go downfield a little bit more than Mitch is at this point in time. But I they they really don't have like the the, the superstar athletes out there. I mean, Alshon is a is a basketball player more than he is like a you know explosive athlete. You know, Nelson Aguilar has a little bit of get up and go. Same with Zach Ertz. But this isn't a very you know Mike Wallace is a little bit past his prime. This is this isn't a very explosive Eagles offense. So I totally agree. It's he who makes the fewest mistakes will win this weekend. And, and I want to get back to the explosiveness because I want Dan for you to talk about the Tariq Cohen factor. But John, um, the 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 thing about Mitch is everyone talks about that the guy just stays the same all year long, and that's kind of an important thing when you're facing your first ever playoff game in the NFL, the biggest game he's ever played in. Uh, you were there with me at Hallis on Wednesday. Uh, what'd you make of Mitch handling? Maybe a little bit of a bigger media throng, a little bit more attention than he's had this season. To me, he was just kind of the same he is every week. Yeah, that's uh, Mitch doesn't seem to have a lot of highs and lows. I mean, he's not a temperamental type of person. 
You know, he seems pretty he, – he, like, he's very cognizant of his role. You know what I mean? Like, some guys – like, I always felt like Cutler never really wanted to be that guy. He didn't want to have to talk every day and answer our stupid questions. Mitch seems, you know, very accepting of his role as quarterback and also of leader. Like, you see him in the locker room sometimes, which is weird for me, covering Cutler all those years. And you'll see him go up to guys' lockers and just sit and have conversations. And, you know, I don't think I, – I think he's programmed himself to be able to handle this moment. Now, does that mean he's going to handle himself on the field and he's not going to throw a couple wild passes that might get picked off? I, I can't say that. But like Dan said, you know, he, is, he seems amenable to this game manager type of role. So Mitch, Mitch to me, like I'm, I'm more confident Nagy handling Mitch than Mitch calling his own, doing his own thing. But uh, I, I definitely like to, like you said, like what he was like today, the first of what's going to be possibly three or four of these type things where everyone wants to know stupid anecdotes and we're still talking about his beard. You know, we're still telling, um, we got a lot of Matt Nagy stories because it's the Eagles and Doug Peterson next week. If they win, will be Jared Goff comparisons again, right? Sean McVay comparisons for Nagy. So it's going to be fun, right? Hashtag narrative. Yeah, we've got plenty. And don't think we're not going to get to those in this podcast because we give the people what they want. Um, (laughs) But uh, Dan, you know, John talked about, you know, Mitch understanding his role. And I think he was very open after the Rams game that he tried to do too much in that game, which was the same thing he did in week one in Lambeau. And then we've seen him take what the defense gives him, trust his playmakers. And the number one playmaker for him all season has been Tariq Cohen. Watching this Eagles defense, knowing what Tariq can do, why is Cohen kind of going to be, could play a big role in, in Sunday's game? The the Eagles have issues in their back seven. There, there's no doubt about it, particularly in coverage. And so I always like to go back and look at, um, you know, some of the, the, the offensive coordinators game plans and look for consistencies in, in their scheme and like who they're trying to isolate in man coverage or who they're trying to get the ball to in man coverage. And it was very evident to me over, you know, like I watched probably like their last seven or eight games, um, how often offensive coordinators were, were looking to the backs uh, on third down, third and short primarily. So, you know, that maybe the defense is uh, a, a little bit further off the ball, but uh, really trying to figure out when Schwartz did play man, who he was going to match up against pass catching running backs. So, um, the the one that uh, the the one that really stood out to me was a Christian McCaffrey uh, a, a, against the the Carolina Panthers. Uh, hit him hit him in the flats. Set up a you know first and six or first and five. They score three plays later. Game over. Next week they play the Jaguars. Same place. It's just like a little curl flat. They hit TJ Yeldon out there, and then you look at what Alvin Kamara and the Saints did. So when I think about Tariq Cohen and how Nagy's used him in the same capacity this year. Um, he's, he's been able to isolate Tariq on safeties. He's been able to isolate Tariq on linebackers. And I think he's going to do the same thing this week. So if, if Schwartz matches Malcolm Jenkins up against him in man, which I think he will, um, that's going to open it up for people like Trey Burton, because now you're matching up a tight end against a linebacker. So that particular matchup to me is really going to dictate dictate how the the Eagles are going to be able to defend the rest of the Bears weapons because I don't think man for man they're going to be able to match up well with them but more more specifically teams try and scheme specifically against other people's um, safeties and their linebackers with their best players in space Tariq Cohen is the Bears best player in space he's a guy that teams typically dictate a linebacker or safety to against the running back so I think that that to me that's the one that that's really going to determine how this is going to go 
Dan, come right back to you because there's one other matchup I want to talk about on that side of the ball, and that's Fletcher Cox, Michael Bennett, Chris Long. That D-line, a ton of quarterback hits. Um, you, you mentioned Jim Schwartz likes to keep you know keep his guys back and let the front four do work. Um, we've talked about the wide nine, um, but but I, I wonder if they could take some of the things from the Bears-Rams game against Aaron Donald and, and find a way to replicate that against Fletcher Cox. Yeah, Fletcher Cox is the to me probably like the third or the fourth best defensive lineman in football. He's 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 fantastic, and um, he against that the interior of that Bears line. It's very good that they're getting Kyle back at the at the time that they are. But what what he allows and and he he enables Jim Schwartz to do is play four against the run. So when the Bears come out in 11 personnel, they can match up a nickel comfortably because they know Cox and they know, uh, you know, Timmy Jernigan, the other guys that they actually have there on the, on the defensive line are going to be able to play stout against the run with just four and then a fill from a linebacker, whether it's at or flow away from them. So I think that the way that uh, Fletcher Cox is able to take on and successfully as much like Akeem Hicks beat double teams, occupy more than one blocker. It changes everything. It changes the math for them and it does allow them to play with that nickel. So uh, I'm, I'm very eager to see how that works out because I think that this, this Eagles team is excellent against the run. The bears have really, I, I think gotten their inside power. They've, they've really started to develop an identity with their power schemes. They're liking that gap scheme a lot, that pin and pull scheme that they've been running the last couple of weeks. So can they do that against the Eagles? I think they can. That's a, that's another scheme that I've seen teams have success with against them. So really interested to see uh, the, the first 15 or 20 plays that, that Nike has. A lot of it's going to be figuring out what coverages and which matchups they're going to get sp- uh, based against a specific personnel packages, but which runs is he specifically trusting his, uh, his offensive line to get. And Dan, I'm glad you mentioned the nickel because, of course, Craven LeBlanc revenge game coming up here at Soldier Field. He has been the nickel corner for the Eagles and so one of the former Bears on the Eagles. Of course, you mentioned Alshon Jeffrey earlier. And I forgot DeAndre Hall is on the Eagles. Who could forget a uh, legendary fourth-round pick of the Bears a couple years ago? Um, on, the other, on the other side of the ball, uh, John, I'll come to you here. Nick Foles just has some kind of magic going on there. It, it's really remarkable. At the beginning of this podcast, Bo Wolf was just saying that he just has a way of lifting these guys up, that they just play a little bit better for him. And certainly the guy does not, you know, he's got all the confidence in the world. He's a Super Bowl MVP. Um, it's just kind of funny the idea of preparing for somebody that you look at him as a quarterback and you're not maybe that impressed. But then you look at what he's been doing the past three weeks we did in the playoffs last year. It's like, oh, you have to prepare and get ready for Nick Foles. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's probably good that you know Vic Fangio is the coach, and that he's never impressed by anything. He's <laughs> worried about everything, so I think that's probably good in one sense. And two, I, we were talking to Trevathan about it today, just how like Nagy even said it that basically like he hasn't really had to police this locker room much, and these guys kind of police themselves. And I, I know Trevathan's talked about this year how he and Hicks kind of would kind of put their heads together earlier in the year just to try to make sure things are going the right way. I, I don't think you'll see guys get too cocky or overconfident. They don't see me at least, you know, and Trevathan even laughed a little about, you know, if they would have to do a little of that player coaching on Sunday, I, I don't think we're going to see it. I think that these guys will watch film. I think they, they seem pretty respectful of Nick Foles. I don't think we're going to see anyone being like, Oh, you know, we're going to get this guy to back up. Cause like you said, he's a super Bowl MVP. I think the fact that he did that, you know, makes him even more, 
you know, when these guys are are, are going to be looking at him, I think they're going to pay even a little more attention because they know. I mean, Trey Burton can tell them. They know what, what he can do. And it's interesting because being around this team, it's not like they feel like they're underdogs necessarily. Somebody asked Matt Nagy about that today. Um, you know, they do talk about how nobody expected them to win this, these 12 games, and they did. They kind of they kind of felt this throughout the season. Um, but, Laz, I'm, I'm kind of curious, and it's that time of the podcast. Let's talk, let's talk a little Blackhawks comparison here. Um, <laughs> the, the inexperience factor, this is something that was asked about a little bit at Hallis Hall today. Um, does it mean anything, uh, the fact that, you know, so few of these Bears players have been in uh, any kind of type of game like this? I mean, it matters. It's not an overarching thing, but it matters. I mean, there's no easing into the playoffs like there is in seven-game series sports where you get that game one, you dip your toe in the water. So it does matter. These guys have played in some big games this season, but they haven't played in a do-or-die game. They haven't had a play-in game, anything like that. So I think this is where guys like Danny Trevathan really become important. I mean, with the Blackhawks year after year when there were new guys in, guys like Taves and Kane and Seabrook and Keith who have been through these wars – would kind of guide players along, tell them what to expect. It wouldn't be like a big Disney locker room speech. That doesn't happen outside of the movies. But, you know, you might have uh, guys just like, you know, BSing in the locker room before a game, after a practice about what it's like to play in a playoff game. And guys like Trevathan, who do have that experience, who have won Super Bowls, are extra important throughout the week. Once the game starts, I think everybody quickly kind of falls into the natural rhythms of the game. And But those those early jitters can be kind of eased by the veteran players and the bears don't have a ton of them so it is important for those guys to kind of you know guide guys along a little bit dan i want to touch on one more matchup uh for this game and and that's uh back to kind of nick Foles. and at the beginning of this podcast bo wolf was talking about how the eagles just have struggled to run the ball all year it's probably their biggest weakness um outside the personnel in their secondary which they've been able to kind of um mitigate because of their pass rush uh, and and Shiel Kapadia wrote a great story today, look breaking down the matchup um, and saying that if if he was Doug Peterson, he wouldn't even care about the run game. He would just almost abandon it from the beginning and not try because that's probably the biggest disparity in this matchup. So what are you looking at in terms of when the Eagles have the ball and what the Bears are going to have to do um, so that Nick Foles doesn't really get in a rhythm and, and connect on those big plays? Yeah, I mean, I think you can expect a lot of quick game from them. Uh, they do a lot of, you know, like the the mesh routes over over the middle, trying to create some like natural picks, uh, looking for 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 their tight ends, looking for their their slot receivers. Um, they'll they'll pop a couple like vertical game vertical shots in there as well. But for me, this this comes back to um, just getting your hands up in, in pass rush lanes, which, you know, Akeem did so well a couple of weeks ago. I've been writing about that a lot that people are asking me, what's the counter to the quick game? I mean, there, there are certain schemes you can run. Cover three is a pretty good one for it. Just as far as like, you know, you have, you have protection, extra protection on the outside and you have a, you know, a few more guys that can jump routes underneath, but um, you know, you, they, they like to play that, that robber where they'll have like Adrian or Eddie or, you know, Dion, whoever it's going to be um, just basically take away anything over the middle. So they did that a lot against the Packers and it took away a lot of those inside slants they like to run but when teams are getting rid of the ball in two two and a half seconds even if the pass rush isn't getting to the quarterback get your hands up because when a quarterback's getting rid of the ball quicker he's not as deep in the pocket therefore his throwing lanes and 
his, his, what he can see through is it's minimized. He has a smaller area to actually throw the ball to because he's not as far away from the line of scrimmage. So get your hands up, make, make congested passing lanes vertical. Granted, Nick Foles is a tall guy. He's going to be, be able to see over some of that stuff, but he's not jumping to throw the ball. So if you get your hands up, you can at least get in the way of some of those passes. So to me, if the pass rush isn't getting home, got to get your hands up. I'd uh, be ready to get chopped because that's naturally what offensive linemen do to, to, to counter that. But to me, this is going to be expecting the quick game. I don't expect them to run the ball against the Bears because they're just, they're frankly not going to be able to. It's going to be ball possession on both sides through the passing game this week, which could be really interesting. That's why if the Bears at all, I think they have a better chance of establishing a run game because they have better running backs between Jordan Howard and, and Tariq Cohen. If they can establish that at all, I think that's going to help them with, you know, down the field a little bit more. But to me, when it comes to uh, defending them, I, I agree with Shield. This is going to be a quick passing game, getting the ball out quickly, nullifying the pass, you know, the, the pass rush a little bit while time draws maybe here and there that they're going to try and run using the, the screens as, uh, you know, basically a supplement to the running game. But I don't think the Eagles are going to fool themselves and think that they're going to be able to run the ball this week against the Bears. You, know, you talk about this Eagles offense, and it is a pretty veteran offensive line. It was one of the best units in football last year. Um, you, John, the, the, the other factor when the Eagles have the ball is the Soldier Field home field advantage. Um, the Bear Raid siren is going to be loud. <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny because <laughs> the Bears have been so dominant at home. Um, and it, they're not in a dome. They're they're outside. They don't have like a bit one of the bigger stadiums. They have a smaller stadium, I think, capacity wise, outside the Chargers. Um, but John, you've covered this team for a while. I mean, that home field advantage has been real. I mean, the way they've played in some of these big time home games, especially the way they ended the season, it's been pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, hundred percent. It's kind of funny because they were, I think, wasn't one of the years under Fox they went like one. It was the first year they went one and seven at home. Yep, one and seven at home. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. And the year before that, I think under under Trustman, I think they had two wins at home. So you could see it, you know, you could see the apathy throughout the years. I don't know if it's anything as to do with the fans being loud or, or whatever. I think it's just the idea that you do play better when you're home and you're, you know, you I guess they stay at a hotel downtown, but you know, it's not a big trip or anything like that. So yeah, I mean, they still have the goofy fourth phase flag guys, right? But they still come out every once in a while. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I feel like they're de-emphasizing it a little, but they're still, they're still there. But yeah, I just hope the PA guy's not begging for noise. He shouldn't have to beg for noise in the playoff. <laughs> I, I think, listen, oh, he's going he's to be doing it. He's totally going to be. <laughs> it shouldn't have you're to. The noise it, should be natural in a playoff game. You know, they play, lads, have you ever seen a football game at the Superdome? No, not, not live. At, uh, so if, we, if they get to the NFC Championship and they face the Saints there, it is a much different atmosphere inside the Superdome. They play uh, popular music, for one thing. They, it's like... <laughs> crazy loud it's it's a lot different it, you're not begging people and you're not playing a woolly bully after a big timeout or something so, <laughs> which they do uh but yeah yeah i think they're con- these guys are just confident i mean i think we can slice and dice this any way we want this is a really confident i think it took a little while for chicago to get confident in this team but this bears team these guys are supremely confident and again what we talked about at the beginning i think that's why it's great that Nagy played to win even with the risk of injury on Sunday, because he wanted to keep that same. He didn't want them to lose anything, if if, if possible, just by losing. And maybe the for- confidence thing's interesting. I think you know it's it was early in the year that these guys were talking. Oh, we're gonna we're a we're a top time a top you know five defense in this league. We're an all time defense. It's it's 
it's been growing throughout the year. It's not a recent phenomenon once they started really stacking wins together. Right off the bat, they felt like they could do something special this year, and it's just taken some time for everyone else in Chicago to kind of agree with them. It's also very possible that Matt Nagy wanting to play the guys was a big FU for everyone who got mad at him for not playing his starters in the preseason. I mean, <laughs> think about how long ago that feels. Um, I want to do a quick rapid fire before, before our picks. I want to get each of your guys' uh, biggest concern – uh, heading into the Bears playoffs. Um, I will just say, go ahead and say mine right away. It's Cody Parkey. And I imagine I'm not alone in that. Uh, Dan, what's your biggest concern for this team? Uh, honestly, it's Mitch. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you know, you, you just you you don't know. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, you don't know how he's going to respond to this moment. I mean, I, I do think about that Rams game, and that gives me a little bit of pause. Because this game's even you know more crucial uh, you know than than that one was. So I, I think to me, um, Mitch is is the ultimate X factor in terms of like where this team's go goes overall. If he plays well, they can beat any team in the league. But um, I mean, if he starts pressing, they, this could be a one and done. Laz, who, what's your big concern? Well, you guys took the two obvious ones, so I'll say the magic of Nick Foles. I think, you know, the Eagles are built. They're, they're the kind of team that can do well against this defense. They don't care about the run. They're not the deep ball team. They can dink and duck, and that's the only way you're really going to get uh, a steady yardage against the Bears by doing that. This is the wrong team to face. If they had lost on Sunday, this would have been a lot easier. John, do you have any uh, any big concerns about this team? No, I mean, everyone's Mitch is, I think Mitch is everyone's concern. So I would say just maybe the Eagles getting some big chunk plays. Yeah. And the Bears not being able to to score enough, you know, like we saw in the Giants, you know, just a few freaky plays here and there um, would be the biggest concern. But I honestly, I'm not concerned. I think they're gonna, they're going to win this pretty handily. Yeah, well, let's get to those picks. So the Bears are, uh, I believe, let me check where they're at uh, as of Wednesday night. They were the biggest uh, favorite of the weekend, and they are they are now five and a half point favorites, down from six. Um, so home game, 340 Fox, uh, or excuse me, NBC, uh, Michaels and Collinsworth. Uh, so let's, uh, let's take our picks. Uh, Laz, we'll start with you. I got uh 2017 bears with Parky, uh, kicking the winner at the horn and turning at the press box and flipping you off, Kevin. <laughs> uh, I would love that. I think that goes against, uh, his, 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 he doesn't seem like a flip you off kind of guy. <laughs> no, not really. No, well, let's just put it that way. But I, I like that. Uh, Dan, what do you got? Uh, I was going to wait on my pick, but uh, I'll make one on the spot now. Just what's coming to mind. I, I say Bears 24, Eagles 20. All right, John. I'll go with Bears 27, Eagles 13. Okay, yeah, I've seen a couple NFL writers saying that while this is the game that has like the most juice around it, it's also the one that could be a blowout, just the way the Bears defense has been, especially at home. Um, I'm not going to go that far. I think a lot of two-point conversions between Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson. I'll go uh, <laughs> Bears 22, uh, Eagles uh, 16. So a slight cover for the Bears if it stays at 5.5. Um, all right, we got so much Bears content up this week, obviously for the playoffs. Uh, if you're listening this Wednesday night, uh, you'll see Dan's story on Tariq Cohen, Dan Pompey, who wrote Doug Peterson's biography. It's got a story up about Peterson and Matt Nagy. Um, I mentioned John's story about Matt Nagy. We've got um, stories coming from Dan and me kind of looking back at some things about the season from how the Bears were built and some of the big plays of the year. So check those out and some more preview stories uh, breaking down the game. And of course, check out our guys at Athletic Philadelphia, Bo and Shield, uh, and everything they do. Uh, and the Blackhawks lost the Winter Classic again. So you can go read. It's what they 
do, man. That's what they do best. You can go uh, check that out. And, uh, John, I will say DePaul is beating Villanova right now in the second half, so we might have to uh, run over and get, get some DePaul coverage up. Yeah, we get um, just just pipe. You can edit in some Zach Zaidman screaming with every field goal they make. All right, perfect. I think folks would like that. So, um, yeah, that's it for us. We will all be at Soldier Field for the playoff game. So follow along, check out all our stuff. Oh, also for those of you, we'll have a little uh, Bears Eagles Riders meetup uh, in Chicago on Saturday night at the Fireplace Inn. Uh, what time do we say, John? Hey, I think anywhere the game starts at like seven fifteen. I think so. Anywhere around then. All right, we'll be there. We'll be there. So if you want to come say hello to us, uh, meet our Eagles writers, talk talk Bears Eagles, watch the um, the Cowboys Seahawks. We'll be at the fireplace in an old town on uh, Saturday night. So again, subscribe to this podcast, uh, subscribe to the Athletic, and we'll have more Bears talk next week. You will either be previewing the divisional playoffs or talking about a upset loss Soldier Field. We shall see. Uh, but thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.